This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. So uh, let's start with, uh, let's introduce yourself and your organization and tell us what you're passionate about and we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris, uh, again, for having me on. So I'm Ryan Knox. I'm the Director of Marketing and Innovation at uh, FlexFab, which FlexFab is a uh, industrial manufacturer, 60-year-old industrial manufacturer from Michigan. Uh, and we specialize in manufacturing uh, silicone hoses, actually. So probably wow. not the pro- probably not the traditional uh, thinking thinking future, uh, you know, uh, guest for you. But I've been able to focus over the last couple of years on some pretty cool things. Uh, not only on hardware stuff and moving into new areas of our business in the transportation industry. But I've also had the pleasure of working on new technology, uh, new technologies with an initiative we call FlexFab Digital, uh, which is something where we basically take uh, manufacturing challenges and problems, common manufacturing challenges and problems, and we solve them with technology. Uh, specifically, we, yeah, specifically machine learning and AI seems to come up often for solving some of these problems. So. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm actually planning uh, a new venture here in 2022 where I'm going to be doing that full time. So, wow, fantastic! So, so yeah. tell us. A little, so, you're saying, what exactly is a silicon hose? I mean, hose, where do you yeah. use it for? Yeah. <laughs> it, so many things come to mind. I'm like, yeah. is this just like what I use to water my lawn? Or I mean, <laughs> so that's a rubber. Yeah. So, so silicone is a rubber rubber hose, just like just like we use uh, to to water your yard. Except for, you know, silicone was invented specifically for high temperature, extreme uh, uh, durability requirements. And so it's specifically used in the transportation industry, heavy duty truck, automotive, aerospace. Um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll give you the, I think, really fun story of how we started. Uh, sure. it, it all started about 58 years ago, 58, 60 years ago in that range uh, with our founder, Doug DeCamp. Uh, I think he was in 20, 25 at the time. And and they started making silicone hoses. And um, uh, somebody from Boeing heard that there was a there was a, a company in Michigan making these hoses, a little company. And they came to him and they said, you know, Doug, um, you know, what do you think? Could you make, could you make this specific fire retardant uh, hose that we need for, for our air, aircraft? We've been trying to make this for two years. It seems like nobody can figure out how to make something that will meet the, the fire requirements. And Doug said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And the next day he had a working prototype. Uh, and in 60 wow. years later, it, one day, yeah. that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so 60 years later, we're still in the same industry. Um, making some of the same solutions, you know, fire, uh, fire resistant, fire retardant solutions for aerospace, ducting, air ducting. Um, and if you have a, uh, if, if you see a truck driving down the road, a class eight truck, um, it probably has our hose on it. So. Wow. Fantastic. And it sounds yeah. like, it sounds like this particular, so are you saying that this, this particular substance or is it like silicon can be used for like tons of different things yeah but um what makes it specific to your use i mean what why do you have to use silicon uh yeah so right so um that's a good question it's it's the it's a high temperature and it's the extreme durability requirements that are needed for it so like for example if you were going to um seal around your fireplace um, there's a few different solutions for it. If you need something that's extremely high temperature, uh, you're probably going to use some type of, um, I don't know, mortar or, or something like this, or there's some extremely high temperature products. But if you need something that can get up to like 500 degrees uh, uh, Fahrenheit, you're not going to be able to use a traditional sealant. Like you can't go to Home Depot and buy, you know, just some 
regular sealant that's made with a, a water-based sealant, uh, right. you have to use a silicone because silicone is can withstand that extreme high temperature. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. It's the same type of concept. It was made in the the 40s and 50s during wartime. Uh, silicone was and and um, you know we use it for in all areas of our life. It's stuff that's being implanted in our bodies. Um, it's it's being used in electronics. Um, Oh yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. And 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 there's a global shortage right now, so it it impacts. How can it be shortage? It I mean, isn't it made out of sand? I mean, I don't know anything about what it's made out of. So like, don't we have enough sand? There's this Sahara over there. You know, like just well, like go get some sand. Well, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's any supply chain people right now, but they're probably already. Have, if they have any hair left, they haven't pulled out. Uh, you know, they're they're probably thinking this guy. You know, yeah, of course there's enough sand, but but there's not enough miners there's not enough you know there's you know you, you go from you go from up here in demand and and supply to all of a sudden your demand goes to here uh yeah. and then all of a sudden your your demand goes to here again yeah you know all within uh, a very short period of time and so wow so no no maybe maybe i don't know can you tell me a bit about the process i mean does it start with sand i mean do you just basically start with sand and then do run some process over it? i have no idea it's funny this is a substance that we use everywhere. Our, you know, our phones are covered with it. Like you said, we put it in our bodies. It's like in everything around us. But we know so very little about 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 the actual substance itself and how it's created and, and where it go and where it comes from. So yeah, like, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? I could probably tell a little bit about it, but I'm a lot okay. better with the technology stuff, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I it starts with the sil- silicon silicon metal. Um, is, is where it starts, which is something that's mined, mined out of the ground. It has um, uh, methane uh, that's combined, and basically there's only a handful of companies in the world that, that actually mine uh, the, the materials necessary, the silicon metals and, and the materials oh. necessary to So it's not sand. It it's like a special, special hard-to-find me- metal. Um, is that right? I believe so, and I'm okay. sorry, I'm not as educated. <laughs> that on that this makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be more educated, and and, and it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you ask me about this because I actually, uh, I actually, I have a, a market researcher on my team, and and he was supposed to ha- to give me a report on the global silicone supply chain uh, and the operation structure on mm-hmm. Tuesday, mm-hmm. and something happened where he couldn't do it, and so I would have had the best possible answer for you if that would have worked out but instead i i look like an idiot because uh, but but yeah no i i know it's fine actually this is good because i i i i i was under the misconception that it was readily available and easy to convert and i had i had no idea that it was you know i know it's obviously not as rare as some things but it is it is still pretty rare there is a supply chain and yes petroleum conversion yeah petroleum based and so yep oh really it's petroleum based yeah. Oh yeah. man. Does that mean? Uh oh. <laughs> Does that mean it's environmentally unfriendly, like all this other stuff that we're um, like we have to try and get away from it? Or that, I don't. It's, it's not. not possible. You know, when when you talk about environmentally friendly, you know, um, at its core, I would say no. It's not. It, it's not. Um, it's it's not the worst thing for the environment when you talk about like greenhouse gases and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But are there? greenhouse gases and chemicals that are used to to compound some of the materials that that other companies are using yes flexfab is actually a pretty unique situation we, we were actually just awarded here recently as as a leader in as a as a green company actually oh, cool. uh, in, in michigan for our efforts to um be sustainable and use sustainable you know materials nice. and whatnot so congratulations it, that's great yeah yeah no i appreciate it so but yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting business, but it's also a business, as you said, it's been around for a little while. You know, we've been selling similar parts for 60 years. And so um, the leadership team hired me and to say, what else should we do? Where else should we right. go? And, you know, I don't know um, if you can relate to this, Chris, but sometimes you say, you know, hey, what else should we do? Where else should we should we go? And then you don't actually want the answer. You know, and, you know. Oh, I can totally relate to that. Sometimes, sometimes the answer can can be a little frustrating. And so, so um, we've had a couple different answers. Well, so were, here are the hundred things that you could do. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, which yeah. one? <laughs> Low hanging fruit. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I'm I'm interested in technology, and so um, the interesting thing to me here 
in manufacturing is just, you know, I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, very innovative people that listen to, to your podcast. And if there's one thing to get across is that manufacturers in the Midwest, we might not be as sexy as some of like the, the really cool things that you want to develop, but we need technology too. And oh, yeah, we need absolutely. it bad. We need it bad. Um, and the reality is, Chris, is um, it's just not being developed and commercialized in a way where manufacturers um, are adopting it. And so that's that's kind of where I ended up moving into. So you're 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 charged with coming up with new uses for this this substance that you're creating. Is that right? So like you're you've got the hoses. There's like a certain default set of products that you're selling now, but you're looking at what else can, you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. So so what we did, um, what what my job has been over the last four years was first what you said. You know what can what else can we do with silicone? What else can we do with the processes that we currently have? And, and, and we've worked on that. Um, the second thing that we said was, what other materials and processes should we invest in that our existing markets uh, would be interested in? The, the, the most important thing, I think, when you're, when you're going, into, going into a product uh, strategy, product development phase, is if you try to go into new market, new technology, that could be a bridge too far. But if you go into existing market, uh, new technology or new market, um, you know, existing technology uh, or vice versa, um, that, that can make sense. And that's what we've tried to do. So we've looked at where else can we, can we uh, use our silicone technology. We've also looked at what else would make sense for us and kind of our core competencies in our existing markets. Because if you, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you read off right now, uh, the largest transportation manufacturers in the world, pretty much all of them would be our customers. And so as a small global manufacturer, that's a pretty cool position to be in. And all of them love working with us. We've worked, we've won all the awards. And so what else can we sell them? And so we went into some other hardware directions, Chris, like for example, uh, we're, we're investing in thermoplastics, hmm. uh, which is, uh, which is a kind of a, a, a new technology to lightweight, uh, become more durable, uh, which is important for transportation markets like aerospace and heavy duty truck and automotive. Um, but then there's the other thing that I think we're here to talk about today, which is manufacturers need technology, like software technology, and it's not being used. And so we've used FlexFab uh, to validate some cool technologies. And then I'm actually going out and, and, and partnering with these technologies and commercializing them in the field. So kind of three different directions that we're taking so you're saying flexfab is a subsidiary of this company or is it a completely different unit and it works with other companies so today it's a it's a it's a different unit within flexfab it's like a a business unit within flexfab uh but we're planning in 2022 to to, to split off and and start a completely new thing and what is there a particular range like we were talking about thermoplastics is that a completely different set of processes and equipment to use or are these just different materials running through the same process um so thermoplastics th this is um uh, this is a completely different process completely different material just for our existing markets but there are similarities uh with the thermal with the thermoplastic technologies like if you're going to make for example thermoplastic ducts for example uh, you need to be able to know how to how air flows and you need to be able to understand uh, certification requirements and standards and testing and and all the things that all the things that it takes to be able to sell into the aerospace industry, for example. So mm -hmm. there's some synergies and there's some things that are completely new. OK, and then you, you, you so you're saying you're charged with bringing these tech, the software technologies to these manufacturers come companies i mean how do you do that i mean is it is it do you have a research layer or is there a lab or how, do, how does this all work yep yeah so um it depends on which it depends on which avenue we're talking about so with with silicone um the process is 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 us because we've taken advantage of most of the markets we have after 60 years we have most of the markets so with with silicone it's a process of market research and exploring completely new markets for the most part and it's saying where else can we go what is it going to take for us to enter there so for example with silicone 
uh, evaluating things like entering the life science market or the food and beverage market. So if you look at the back of one of those pot machines that you or soda machines that you, that you go to at a fast food restaurant, you know, you're going to have silicone hoses back there that are moving the fluids around. Or if you think on a larger scale, if you go to a food and beverage uh, distribution or filling uh, facility, you're going to have those types of uh, technologies or brewing company or, or what have you. Same thing in the life science, you know, medical space, pharmaceutical, they're going to use these. So the process is, is us analyzing these, these, these markets, uh, the product market fit, uh, and then uh, putting together a commercial plan for pursuing that. On the thermoplastics uh, front, uh, it's all about the voice of the customer, working with our customers to, um, uh, to understand what problems they have that are unsolved, where thermoplastics could potentially play a part in solving them. And for the most part, you know, anybody listening to this that's familiar with the aerospace industry, they know that it's about lightweighting. So how can we lightweight and how can we save, save money? So if you can save them money and reduce their weight, you're going to be, you're going to be the best, the best supplier that they can yeah. come up with. And that's the cool thing with thermoplastics is that's, that's two of the, the features that it offers is typically lighter weight than metal or thermal set technologies. Um, and I guess we're getting into the details now, Chris. Might, might be getting too too deep into the too, no, too no, deep it's in fine. The, in the details, I'm, I'm but, interested yeah. in this. It's a, it sounds yep. like you're doing the same thing though. Like a lighter weight, a lighter weight and a lower cost would be the the lighter weight actually drives to a lower cost anyway, right? Because you, you fuel costs and you have all these other ancillary costs due to lifting heavy heavier things into the air, right? Yeah. So basically, how it works in the aerospace industry is. Um, Everyone wants to innovate and do something cool at the very beginning of 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 the the the, the aircraft's um, development, and then you get to a time where you realize, oh shoot, we're overweight, you know, or oh shoot, we're over budget, and that's the point where you have to say, okay, now we have to come back to earth and say, how do we make this lighter and how do we make this yeah. less less expensive? Yeah, and- make this the ultimate make this ultimate airline airplane, and then yeah. you realize, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got to step back and step back and step back. Exactly. That's the problem with that's the problem with th- um, it's like thinking of it from a, the wrong angle, right? I mean, you're saying mm-hmm. I got to load this stand with features as opposed to looking at it from the what what's my end result? I mean, bringing in all the possible parameters, including the you know the lightweight and the lower costs. Go well, on. and think of, think about the future on this. Like, if we're wanting to get into new technologies like electrification or hydrogen fuel cell. Um, weight just becomes more and more important for mm-hmm. for that that transition to work. So, um, yeah, it's it's super important. So you're saying uh, you so you were brought in or your group was created mm-hmm. to look at all these new new things that you could build. I mean, and you were talking about how we're presenting you're presenting all this stuff and only a fraction of it, or or or, or like like people don't like to hear that the answers that you're providing. Uh, so how do you how do you break through that barrier? How do you get leadership to say, oh, hey, you know, you said you wanted us to be innovative. We're being innovative, but you know, you need to, to help us be innovative. How do you how do you break through some of those barriers? Well, yeah, it's a good question. It's and and I want to I want to clarify. It's not that it's not that they don't want to hear the solutions. It's oh no, that, they definitely want to hear it. It's, <laughs> it's that the, the, the the solutions are 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 sometimes out there though. Like yeah, well, why that? You know, why there? Why and and so so to answer your question though, um, the most important thing is the is to understand each levels what what makes what makes them tick what, what of the decision making process. So it's never just one person. At a good organization, it's not. It's never just one person that's making the decision to invest in the future. And so, what's important to the leadership team is probably different than what's important to the business unit leaders, and it's probably different than what's important to the engineering team or the R and D team, and might even be different than the operations team. And so, I think the most important thing is to understand what's important to each person. And if you can understand right. that, then you can relate to each shareholder that's helping make the decisions for how we're investing in our future. And so um, if there's anything that I, I could recommend, it would be that. And um, the other thing that you have to do is you have to understand um, if you have an innovative mindset and you're in a 
in an industrial manufacturing company or something that might might have a, a very traditional way of, of going about business, um, you really have to have to take the time to understand how they do business today. Yeah, because you yeah. might want to come into the business and say, "Well, geez, this is a you know two hundred million dollar market over here, addressable market. How can we afford not to go after this?" Right, and and they're like, "Hey, wait a second. We we're used to receiving orders from people, and you're just telling us about some hypothetical market that you think you've identified." And so you have to find a way to bridge the gap between how they typically work, how the company typically works, and and doing new and different. And if you if you focus too much on the new and different, and you don't focus enough on on connecting the dots with how they typically work, what's going to happen is it's just always going to sound like la la land, like oh the marketing and innovation people or the business development people or whatever your role is is just out in la la land. They're they're you yeah. know it's it's the I don't know, whatever, uh, you know, the next shiny object that they're, they're looking yeah. at. And so it's too, you're too, you're, you're disconnected. You're too far away from the core part of the business right. and you have to keep it. The problem is, is that a lot of innovators are like way over here. We want to do the newest, latest, greatest thing, but then the core business is here and it, you know, you can never, you, you have to try really hard to get back to this point and sort of try and pull them along because they're going especially if you're in a, in a company that's doing as well as you guys have for as long as you have, it's like, well, this works. Why should we do anything different? Now, I understand we want to grow, but why can't we just incrementally increase what we're doing instead of doing something way, way out there? And I think you're, you're absolutely right. You need to reconcile those two visions and go, well, what can we do that's in this sweet spot between these two? I think of it as like a, it's almost like a Venn diagram. It's like, I want to go yeah. over here and you got to go here. So how do we bring these circles together so yeah. that you have that sweet spot in between where that's where you can, uh, you can build the new products. Well, and if, if people are listening to this podcast, it's probably because they enjoy their echo chamber of, <laughs> of, of futuristic people, right? Like I like talking mm -hmm. to you, Chris, and I, I'm sure mm -hmm. I would like a lot of your listeners because we like looking at the future and it's really important to us. But now more than ever, futuristic type thinkers, people are looking out and care about thinking about the future we feel as disconnected as, as ever right now. And the reason yeah. why in manufacturing, the reason why is because everyone's struggling to keep up with the here and now. Yeah. So, so exactly. if, if you're a futuristic thinker and you're going to your VP of operations and she's saying, you know, Ryan, I don't have any, you know, this isn't what I'm, this isn't what I'm experiencing, but I imagine people are experiencing right. this. I don't have any time to talk about the future. Do you realize all the problems I have right now? Yeah. Why, why are we even, yeah. why are we even talking about this? You I know? can barely get today done. You tell, you want to talk to me about 10 years from now or, exactly. or five years from now or even exactly. a year from now? <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's why it's so important to lay the groundwork of, of connecting with that person uh, in in the case we just talked about, you know, this this VP of operations type type of person, and understand what's important to them. And if you understand what's important, it's not about manipulating or anything like that. But it's about understanding. And if you can come to them in a way that that connects with their way of thinking, then you can kind of bridge bridge the differences. Is, yeah. And I think I think that's regardless if it's in business or or anywhere else. I think that's the right approach. I think I think, but that particular and you're talking about manufacturing companies and you know older line manufacturing companies, but it's the same everywhere. I mean, I, when I did some work at Yahoo, it was the same thing. You think, oh, here's a cutting edge uh, Silicon Valley company, and you still have that kind of you know those issues where we want to do this thing that's way out there, and we thought you'd be interested in doing this thing that was way out there too because we thought you guys were like a cutting edge Silicon Valley company, but yep. in reality, you know bottom line <laughs> so you, you gotta That's you right. gotta pull back in and say what can you do i mean i remember when, once when i was working with a bank it's it's kind of like we were talking about all these great new ideas that they were thinking about coming up with and i'm like wow this, this is the same stuff that was implemented in the cement industry five years ago but yep. to them it's brand spanking new and cutting edge and i'm yes. like wow you know sometimes this job is easy because you're like right. all you have to do is look at another industry and go and step yeah. back a little bit and say what did they implement five years ago okay oh wow this is great that's exactly right that's right you know we see that we see that in automotive and, and heavy duty trucks so heavy duty trucks are largest market yeah oftentimes oftentimes if you want to see what's going to happen in the heavy duty truck market you just look at what happened in automotive five years earlier not all the times but but you know they're just higher volume and more vendors and things like this so that, yeah i yeah. definitely understand what you mean
Yeah, yeah. So you're saying, so you, you've got to, it's almost like design thinking. You've got to understand your customer right. and your customer is, you know, the leadership that's, they've got the purse strings and they know where, where the, pro, the next set of products are coming from. And you've got to provide them with something that works for them. In, in right. addition to everything else that you're doing, so well, yeah, no, I, t I totally see that. And then, do you have like um like a CINO, like a chief innovation officer, or anything like that at your organization that can help sort of is in leadership and can help drive things through? I'm probably the closest to to that role right now at, at FlexFab. Um, so yeah, I'm not doing anything like that, but but uh, or we don't have a role like that. But I I also think about to your point, um, some of outside of FlexFab, some, some of the markets that are interesting, I think about, um, I don't know if you keep up on the cryptocurrency market at all. Oh yeah. Um, but, but I'm, I'm connected in Come the, on, man. The, crypto is the future. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but the thing I've been in crypto for, for, for four years and, and, and what I see is, come on, guys! It's about mass adoption. It's about mass adoption. It's about mass adoption. And and we launch these products and we launch these things. And I'm like, my dad would have no idea how to use that thing, you know. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm I, I'm talking to my I'm talking to my brother, and I'm like, hey, you should check out this tool that allows you to get this great this great return, you know. And and he's like, wait, what do I have to do? I got to do yeah, this, then plus exactly. this, then this, it's and this. Totally. It's totally in the world of the nerds and the geeks. There's, I mean, I don't know how we're we're gonna get it past that because, I mean, even here, like, there's a couple of coffee shops that accept Bitcoin, and it's like, come on, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, it's, it's just we have to, but but as as innovators, what we have to do once again, I'm broken record here. We got to find a way to connect with with how people are gonna use the products. And it's the same thing you were just talking about, internally understanding uh, uh, understanding your internal customer versus your your external customers and understanding what everyone cares about. And then you can connect the dots. And, and you know what, at the end of the day, um, if your view of the future is correct, then I guarantee your CEO wants to support it. Yep. I guarantee that person wants to support it and it's and, and we think that people are against us because they don't think like us and mm -hmm. that's what we, we need to figure out a way to get get through that and regardless if it's crypto or or being in an innovative role uh in our in our uh, in our jobs or working as a startup and trying to connect our vision for our product to to the market or whatever we're trying to do i think that's the most important thing is connect with the way people think yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think the problem is, is that a lot of people who are sort of futurists and think about the future and live in the future, they don't they don't want to connect with the past or which they think is today, right? Because if they're living in the future, today is the past. And they're like, oh, you know, the past that's that's done. That's over and done with. We want we want yep. what's next and what's new. But the problem is, is that if you don't provide that that guide or bridge to the future, then people are going to get totally lost. They go like, oh, that exactly. future looks great, but how am I going to get there? And, yep. you know, you have to step into that role and say, okay, you know what? You know, I'm real excited about what's going to happen next, but I can see that you're on that side of the river and you can't cross because you don't see the bridge. You know, I have to build that bridge to you so that you can you, you can come a little bit closer to where exactly. where I am. So we, we, exactly. we need that sort of liaison type role yep. with the people who are living in today to help yep. guide them to that to that sort of future absolutely absolutely no doubt yeah so that's uh <laughs> so have you done anything like that re recently um yeah um i would say where where i've had the most success with with that of of, of realized success is is on the software technology so um we have implemented a ai machine learning tool um for demand forecasting at FlexFab, mm. and I'll, I'll do a little cool. bit of the back the background on that. It was so the the process we went through was trying to take a look and saying, you know, what are the what are the root issues with that are causing our, our greatest operational issue operational issues? And and I sat down, I talked to our supply chain analyst or supply chain uh, director. I mean, um, and I said exactly that question: What's your biggest problem? And I tried to get down to the root issue, and and he said, he said we have a eight week lead time with our customers, but a twelve week lead time from our manufacturing facility in China, where most of our mm. high volume businesses is or production is is. 
And so we have a four week gap there between what our customers are expecting and what we can actually deliver. Right. And so um, you'll never, you'll never have a good time with that. (laughs) (laughs) Never. (laughs) And so at that point I'd never done any research. I just, I just, you know, probably like a lot of the listeners, I just think about AI or machine learning and I generally understand uh, what they can be used for. So I started looking around for a tool that could potentially help with this because I thought, I thought we have like decades of data that we could build a model off of. Oh yeah. A a model has to be better than whatever we're using right now. A machine learning model has to be better than what we're using right now. And so I found a company called Remy. They're out of Sydney, Australia, and they were working with, and this is, this goes back to my point we talked about uh, early on where it's like, you know, there's, there's, there's hardly any startup technologies that are, that are solely focused on manufacturing. I mean, if I type in Google right now, demand forecasting solutions for manufacturing, you know, there's just, there's not a lot that comes up. Yeah. You know, good you, luck. Cause it's not, it's not sexy. That's the problem. That's right. You know, that's you know, right. You, if you're not, but the funny thing is, is that that's where the money is. The money's in that's the non-sexy the fields. It's <laughs> like to Mike Rowe about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It reminds me of uh, I don't. Did you ever watch Parks and Rec? The the, oh, yeah, the yeah. series yeah, Parks yeah, and Rec. Yeah, yeah. And, great show. And and the 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 one guy he, he says, man, I really want to start a business. I don't know what I want to do. And and Ben is is like, I have this great business plan for for a um, uh, uh, oh shoot a clean a dry a dry cleaning chemical distributor. He's like. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with that type of business. <laughs> you know? and, and at some point they came back and they were like, that was like a million dollar idea, you know, but yeah, yeah. It, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's not sexy. You know, you, when you're, when you're coming out of like one of these prestigious schools and you have like this awesome team of people, you're like, you know, it'd be awesome going to the Midwest and talking to a bunch of, you know, yeah, exactly. So, some, some obscure manufacturer yeah. that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Let's, let's head, <laughs> let's head to, let's head to Idaho and talk to them about demand forecasting no and so so, but we did a bunch of research and we found this company who who was who was primarily selling into the um the e-commerce space Mm. you know where where they were uh e-commerce companies who really really benefit from from keeping a low inventory and and uh you know they want to turn over their inventory as quickly as possible um you know, so they were using the, this product, and I said, well, "Geez, this will work for manufacturing just as well as it worked for e-commerce." And so, mm-hmm. uh, we connected with them, and we did a back test, which means we gave them like three years of our data, um, and we did this comparison of how our forecasting actually worked versus what their what their forecast would have done if we would have been using right. it. And um, the crazy thing that came out of it, I I honestly didn't expect this, um, but we had a absolute a mean absolute error meaning um uh we were plus or minus this of what we actually sold from what we thought we were going to sell two two months before was 50 percent. so plus or minus 50 percent and so so i did some research and i'm like man this is like i can't believe we were that far off i did some research and actually the average um uh absolute error for manufacturing is 49 percent. holy cow you think about right now, like what we so were you talking were about average. earlier. Yeah. So you think about like the supply chain issues that are happening globally, globally right now. Like, holy cow! Like forty nine percent is the average that that we're off shocking. on our demand forecast. That's actually shocking. ridiculously high and crazy that it's the average. That's right. Crazy. So so the Remy the Remy product uh, achieved a twenty percent uh, uh, forecast accuracy, which oh, is that's 60, a huge. That's 60, a huge difference. 60%, yeah, sixty percent improvement. And so right wow. then, I'm I'm like, oh, found it. <laughs> you know, like I I had no idea if it was gonna work, but but it did. And and so ever since, are then, your margins like really really low too? So even a even a tiny improvement would be like a massive improvement. So yeah, so down the line. So, so think about this for a manufacturer. You know, when when your forecast is off, what happens? is you get a bunch of orders that are dropped in on your production last last minute. So what does that do? Your schedule's off, which means you're going to be paying overtime. When you manufacture in China like we do or somewhere overseas, now your expediting fees are going to be through the roof. 
your inventory costs are going to be crazy because you're going to be producing way more than what you need because you yep. need to get your, your customers your product, but you don't know for sure. You know, you've learned over the years, you got to produce more than what they actually need. So yep, yep, yep. your inventories are crazy. You know, your your inventory just throws everything off, man. Everything, all the profit. <laughs> you know, it's 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 all of your profitability is just screwed up from from this demand forecasting. That's why. Remember, the first thing I said was I wanted to figure out what the actual root problem was. Right. And it's like because you can improve your scheduling, you can improve, you know, you know whatever you're expediting. You can try to get lower costs on these things, but if you don't improve that that primary thing, which is the actual forecast, you're you're not you're not going to fix those things in a major way. And so, so a after that, we, we implemented it and are, con are continuing to, to, to implement and use it right now. And, um, and we're actually taking it out and we've partnered with Remy and we're actually selling it to other, other uh, manufacturers now. So wow. Flex would you say that from, that's, that's a yep. common thing that this demand forecasting, I mean, even it's just a little bit, I mean, demand forecasting has been around for a while, right? It's, it's, is it common that this is not something that's being used in your space? I have only personally talked to, I have, I've personally only researched one company that's using AI and machine learning um, in, in a, and that's, that's Amazon. That was the first company that I researched that I knew was using AI and machine learning for this use case. Um, every single company that we talked to, and I've talked to, dozens of them at this at, at this point uh coming up on on hundreds of them hmm. um i've never met i've never met a company another company that's using ai machine learning for demand forecasting wow that's insane yeah yeah <laughs> that's insane. And i'm talking I'm talking large companies i'm talking multi-billion dollar companies um but but think of think about what? this though chris so so we're so the, the the process for us to get the data that we have is we are receiving the data from our customers. So I'm not going to call any of them out by name, but they're the largest transportation manufacturers in the world. And so anybody that's supplying the largest transportation manufacturers in the world is getting the same data that FlexFab is getting, and which is resulting in us having a 50% um, uh, demand forecasting accuracy. And so this is a very common, this is very common. And really, really, if if we could improve at the very top, the demand forecasting, it would actually help all of the smaller uh, component suppliers in a significant way. Wow. Would you think you'd think some of these larger companies would have some of this stuff because it just makes so much sense, right? I mean, crazy. I don't. Yeah. You, you said you worked for Yahoo, for, for Yahoo, Chris. Um, yeah for a period of time. Mm -hmm. um, now, Yahoo is obviously a, a great, very, you know, forward thinking company. Were you, were you impressed by, by the level they were using technology in, in the day-to-day -day operations? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> and I've never Under the messed covers, up. It's, yeah. it's, it's the same sort of thing everywhere. It's like, they, they look great from the outside, <laughs> right? From the outside, you think, right. wow, those guys are so cutting edge and so cool. And then you get inside and you're like, what the hell is going on here? You said it. You said it. I, and I don't know. How, that's, I don't know how to say this, Chris, because that's, that's it. I mean, but it's everywhere. Yeah. Listen, like, yeah. and it sounds like you're throwing stones at a specific company and, yeah. and uh, or not. There's yeah. only a couple companies in the world. Like I said, do some research on Amazon demand forecasting they're yep. doing it at an elite level but that's amazon yep. that's yep. amazon no that's right i mean i in fact one of the things I, I one of my clients is uh rolling out a new revenue management system and uh they're in the hospitality space and i didn't even know anything about revenue management before i started working with them and i thought to myself wow this whole i mean basically they're using ai to forecast demand forecast yep. demand forecast occupancy uh, yep. forecast all of this stuff and they're setting their prices based on you know thousands of data points that are coming in and AI is setting the price to the perfect point where they maximize profitability and they increase the fact that someone's actually going to you know uh, get the room right, right. and I'm like right. wow it's like why isn't everybody using something like this if if this is all out there right. and right. it's it's being used by these companies. Why can't everybody? I'm no Amazon for sure is using something like this to set their pricing and on all that other stuff. And and if you think about it, the investment 
the investment might be huge up front, but you know the the what you get out of it in the end is just f- huge. It's massive, massive. Chris, you have a you have a Stanford banner behind you and a certificate, so it makes me think about. Not only is it available, <laughs> not only is it available, Chris, it's open source. It's exactly, open source, and companies like Stanford have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into developing these open source technologies. Yeah. That you and I could go find on GitHub right now. Yeah. Think about the value of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Think about this open source. You know, that's yeah. And, and it would literally. There's not one single. I've never talked to a business. I just got off the phone. I can't can't mention names, but I just got off the phone with somebody, um, and like AI. If we can implement it with them, it would completely change their business completely wow. and, it, and it's a brand that everyone listening to this would know and it's it's a futuristic brand and they're not using these technologies today they're just wow. not and, and but isn't that isn't that part of that out of fear brand. though because leadership is like oh i mean leadership might be okay with it but maybe the co- corporate overall is like man what would happen this would be a huge change for us we wouldn't be the same company anymore and they're afraid of, I don't think of so. change I, right? you might be right maybe in some cases but here's what here's been my experience, okay? Uh, and I'm stealing this from somebody else. Uh, said this, said this. But here's what here's what you know. A lot of CEOs are doing. I went to the three day you know conference where I learned about AI, and I learned everything that you could possibly learn about AI except for <laughs> how to apply it to my business. <laughs> <laughs> That's right? absolutely right. I can that, see and, that. Yeah, but that's yeah, what's happening. Yeah. I, and and yeah. I, I'm not trying – I hope I'm not coming across, across in a negative way because that's not what I'm intending. No, I it's, mean, you're, you're speaking the truth, man. I mean, that's <laughs> – this is, this is just what's happening right now. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's everyone. It's everyone. It, it's me. I'm sure there's blind spots that I have where I'm not seeing opportunities. I'm a marketer. You know, I'm not, I'm not automating marketing strategies in a way that I, that I should. Yeah. Um, but for FlexFab, that's not making a huge impact. What's making a huge impact is something like demand forecasting because yeah. that's going to impact literally every area of our business. And so um, it's just, it's really essential that, that I think everyone listening to this, that we find a way to connect. I keep saying connect the dots, but now, now we need to connect the dots. To what's important to us, to the technologies that are available and, yeah. and, and make it real for people. I'm telling you, us futuristic type type people, we just, we, we try to, you know, try to show off with how much we know, or maybe we're not really trying to show off. Maybe, maybe it's just that that's just how we come across, but that's just not, that's not valuable. We need to find a way to connect with people in a way that they understand and, and in a way that that resonates with them. And, yeah. and pe- people understand things, but it doesn't resonate with them. You know, they're yeah. smart people, but they just, so th- that's, that's what we need to do. And that's where, you know, Hey, demand forecasting team, what if you had a better number here? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would make my life a lot easier. Okay, what if we yeah. automated? What if we auto- automated this replenishment work that you're doing? That would free up my time to be able to do all this other stuff that I don't have the time to do right now. That's where yeah. you're connecting. That's where you're connecting with what's important to uh, the actual users. And then when I'm talking to the executive team, it's hey, look what this is going to do to cash flow. Look what this is going to do to profitability. So yeah. that, that's what we need to do. Absolutely. All right. So it's time to think like a futurist. It's the year right. 2031. Uh, what's the world going to be like? What What's your organization going to be like? Where are you going to be? How are things? What are things going to be like in 2031? Yeah. Well, I believe that uh, in the next in the next nine years, next ten years, uh, there's going to be a mass adoption of of AI and and machine learning. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe even more specifically, machine learning. Uh, in manufacturing is what I'm thinking about right now. I would love to talk about cryptocurrencies if you want to talk about that too. But <laughs> but but another show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even even like cryptocurrencies, you know, like they're you know stable coins and things like this could be used at a in a much more uh, diverse way with, within manufacturing. But specifically with manufacturing, we just we have to find a way to use um, specifically machine learning to to make use of our data. And, and what I like to say is, um, you know for probably the last 10 years. So if you would have asked me in, you know, 2011, what's going to happen, I probably would be talking about cloud technology and how uh, manufacturers are going to be adopting this technology. And we're going to see this, this huge, um, uh, you know, huge increase in, in data collection. 
And the next step is utilizing that data. And mm-hmm. that's where machine learning is going to come in. And so that's where that's where I'm starting a business in 2022 to help companies uh, make that connection. And that's so I'm I'm putting everything I'm put I, I believe in it that much that I'm I'm stopping doing what I'm doing at Flexfab to to focus on that because I really do believe over the next 10 years, um, it's a not a ma- it's not a matter of if but when, you know, virtually every a uh, larger manufacturer, you know, at least $100 million plus manufacturer will be using AI machine learning at a significantly uh, uh, greater level. So what do you think is going to happen with manufacturing uh, on the whole? Like, I mean, are we going to start stop seeing so much manufacture being done overseas? Are we going to be bringing more stuff back to the, yes. the States? Uh, are we going to have like, where's 3D print- printing fit and all these exactly. things? Because everyone talks about 3D printing like it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to revolutionize manufacturing. It's like, but how how much has it actually? And will it? it? Yeah. So let me give you a couple of stories with that. that. So there's don't let me forget some of these topics. because You're bringing up a lot of good, good topics, 3D printing, okay. and all that kind of stuff. But the first thing that you said, um, bringing stuff, reshoring. So here's here's what the process has been, um, you know, over the last 30 years. Uh, get production do our typical production and just find lower labor over the last 10, 15, 20 years, the process has been figure out a way to automate certain portions of our process, which automation is less labor. So we can bring products back here, here locally. Um, Even before COVID you could see the writing was on the wall because Manufacturers aren't going to continue to chase uh, low labor around the globe. Asia is exactly no longer- that's exactly what's going to happen because you're just going to go to the next country and the next country and the next country. We're not going. We're not going to to Africa. Like, you know, that's what some people would say is that we're going to go. We're going to go to Africa with manufacturing. It's not happening. It's just not. The yeah. infrastructure isn't there. Um, you know, maybe maybe in small maybe in in small kind of uh, micro uh, regions. Uh, speaking of micro regions, that's what will happen. It would be micro manufacturing uh, closer to the user uh, yeah. regions. Uh, that's when additive manufacturing is going to come in. Uh, third-party logistics is going to become more important than ever. Uh, electrification is going to be become more um, realistic for trucking because you're going to have a more regionalized. You can already see this with Walmart distribution centers. You can see oh, it yeah. with Amazon distribution centers. Regionalization of of, uh, of, of distribution. Um, and so, so yeah, to, to answer your questions, manufacturing is going to, going to come closer to where it's ending up. The reason why is because we can't afford the supply chain. We can't, can't afford the, uh, uh, the labor doesn't make sense anymore globally. And that's the reason why AI machine learning is absolutely essential because companies need to find a way to become more competitive in the local market with something other than labor. So if a company hasn't found a way to use robotics to automate, it might not ever happen for them because we've been doing that for for 20 years. So the next iteration is making use of data, gaining better insights, improving efficiency and and producing locally. And that's when that's where 3D printing comes in. And so uh, you Mm -hmm. asked me a big question, so I'm giving you a big answer. But, you know, with (laughs) with with 3D with 3D printing, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, I'll uh, give you an example Um, here recently. Uh, are are you familiar with the aerospace industry much at all, Chris? Not really. No. So, but everyone understands the aerospace industry. It's mm-hmm. very expensive and very very difficult oh, to, sure. to get things certified, and 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 uh, and the regulation requirements are very extreme. So, let's say that that you know Ryan and Chris organization, we wanted to start tomorrow. And we wanted to supply the aerospace industry. It would take us years just to jump over the regulatory hurdles to be able to make oh, yeah, something for the industry. Now, now um, the FAA and Boeing has provided some type of certification. I'm not sure exactly what the terminology is here recently for a 3D printer that you can actually buy put it in your facility and the printer is actually certified to make FAA uh, parts. Ooh, so interesting. So, so now assuming you can meet the, uh, the Boeing or whatever, whatever OEM requirements, FAA requirements for your facility, ISO requirements. So AS, AS requirements, so on and so forth. Um, you just plop, you plop down this 3d printer and all of a sudden you can make aerospace, aerospace grade parts. Now, why is that important? Well, because aerospace parts are going to be lower volume. 
Mm. Um, so if you're a traditional uh, manufacturer and you're pressing metal pieces, let's let's say we got to you got to buy a tool. Well, yeah. tools are expensive and the materials are expensive and machinery are expensive and space is expensive. So now what we have is, and we're going back to thermoplastics. We talked about thermoplastics earlier. You can make thermoplastic parts from these 3D printed, from these 3D printers and spit out two parts uh, and it would cost you significantly less than uh, what it would from a press, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's where that's we're going, example. right? We're, go- we're fabs on every corner. That's right. right. Where you could just say, if I need something, I need a new case for my iPhone. I'll just like order it up and I'll go to the corner and it'll, it'll be 3D printed by the time I get there. So, but yeah. that's, that's way out there. That's hard for, that's, that's hard for even me to imagine, to be honest with you, because <laughs> the cosmetic, <laughs> you know, the, my, I, I have some guys on my team that they have, th- they have home 3D printers and, you know, I needed a bracket and they make a bracket or they needed yeah. a cap or something like that. It only takes 48 hours to make a bracket. I could have gone yeah. to Home Depot. <laughs> But the but the cosmetic requirements that we want for our for our stuff, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a bigger believer that there's just gonna be more distribution centers and people are gonna yeah. be using demand forecasting and you'll have one day shipments, mainly because of the strategic placement of distribution centers. But oh yeah. Um but you might be right. Maybe maybe yeah. it'll be on every corner. Who knows? Well, until we invent invent home replicators, you know, when that when that happens, it'll <laughs> be, be a happy day for me. <laughs> Awesome. Yep. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah, go ahead and, and reach out to me on, on LinkedIn if you'd like. I'd love to love to connect with anybody. Um, our current website, like I said, I'm going to be moving to a new company uh, in, uh, that I'm starting in, in January 2022. But if you want to go to flexfab.ai, so that's F-L-E-X-F-A-B.ai, you can see our Flexfab digital parts. Um, what would be uh, what would be really interesting would be to connect with with anybody that that really you know especially people that are in seats like I'm in where you're at a manufacturer you love the manufacturer you want the best for the manufacturer and you want to figure out how to use technology better there I'd love to talk and mm-hmm. even if even if we don't do any business together I'd love to to share my insights of what I've learned and try to help any way I can very cool so I'll put your contact information in the show notes if anybody wants to get in touch with you thank you so much this has been great and you Thank know what? You, we definitely need to do a show on crypto. Cause I want to do that. <laughs> you, you, do that. you let me know when you want to do it. Yep. Let's, let's right. do it. All I'll right. send you Thanks, a note. Chris. Thanks, All man. Right. We'll Talk see to you later. All right. Bye. bye.